us. We knew that before we even got up, you went, I'm, I'll be there. We, I got time for you. And thank you, God, that in this space, we've declared that we're going to make some time for you this morning, for you to speak to our hearts, to renew our, our joy and our strength. God, we, we depend on you for all things. And we ask that you'd speak clearly. worship team yeah well um, that was awesome I love when when God is stirring things in our hearts uh, this the message has been on my heart this week has been um, for a while uh, as it is about change and uh, I've titled my message um, Changing choices. Because, thanks, thank you a million and one, Nathaniel. Um, I love when I can hear the electric guitar. It's so enjoyable. Uh, it's a, an instrument that is so unique. Uh, some people didn't like it in the church at one point in time. And uh, it's like the organ, too, for, uh, for those of you that, that lived when the organ was a scary thing in the church. And uh, I love that God continuously seeks to break our standards of who he is uh, so that he can again and again and again re refine our view of him. And uh, this morning, uh, I have a, a wonderful video to show because over my holiday, I had been um, working hard and all of a sudden the weather changed. You don't need to show this video just yet, but thanks for being prepared. I see that. Um, but uh, over the holiday week, it, the weather changed, and we had a downpouring here in Estevan. And uh, I was actually on the phone with, uh, with Wade, and he said, hey, could you check my sump? Just, just out of the kindness, I was like, yeah, for sure. I'll look after yours. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my goodness, I have a sump. And so I went downstairs to find a little bit of water in the basement, and I was like, oh, no. And so things shifted really quickly on me. From like, oh, man, this rain is so beautiful. I love the heavy sound it makes on the roof to, I got to make sure this rain is not coming in my house. And uh, shingles were blown away in the wind. And then, and then all of a sudden I get a phone call from my dad. And there's, there's some family issues that have been going on. And so I'm immersed in that. And uh, I didn't think that there would be so much change quickly. And sometimes change happens without us wanting it. And my question is, how do you handle change? How quick are you to assess how you're doing? Because in, in, in the space that I had available to me that week to assess, how am I doing with this? I was really thankful that I had space to be able to like, okay, I'm doing all right. But often when someone says this, how you doing? How are you doing? And uh, I had written at the top of my message here, ask God if there's anything before we start. And I really felt like God was doing stuff. And, uh, and it starts with this question, how are you doing? Like, really? Like, like, in your heart, you don't have to answer this out loud. I'm not looking for you to be like, yeah, this life sucks. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, whoa, what happened? But if that is something that's true for you, I want you to be able to notice it. I also want you to just evaluate where your heart's at. Because um, things change quickly. Uh, for me, 
One time I was working, and I was working full-time at uh, Boston Pizza, and I transitioned to summer camp. I did it every summer. Every summer I would work, and then every summer I would go to camp. There's actually only been one summer in my life since I was six that I have not been at camp. I love camp. There's something in the change of environment, from going from, from a, a, a work environment to some somewhat slow down pace. I don't know if, uh, if you're a camp counselor, if you ever were a camp counselor, if that actually for you transpired into slowed pace because it meant longer hours, kids around you all the time, and uh, activity after activity after activity. And uh, for me, I was a counselor at camp uh, in, a, in a camp not far from Medicine Hat. And uh, I had this group of kids, and there was a whole bunch of activities. And uh, I decided uh, that I would do something with my, my, my cabin group. And I just want to show you a circumstance that changed from good-ish to very quickly everything that I was feeling in a moment. And so why don't you just show the video, because I don't want to spoil it for you, because this is, uh, it might surprise you um, how quickly things can change. I'm just winded. <laughs> that was good. Uh, I'm all good. I'm just a little broken. <laughs> Thanks. So, what had happened at this camp was that I had taken my cabin to the zip line, and I had decided that I would let them drop water balloons at me. And so every kid, I had a cabin of 22 kids, and uh, I didn't have water balloons that were water balloons. So I improvised as a young adult without thinking, oh, I'll just fill balloons with water. So this is no longer a water balloon. This is a balloon filled with water. And uh, every kid had gone, and uh, there'd be one that flew past me, and and it, the first one flew past my head, and I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Because I was like, this is going to hurt. And uh, 22 kids went up. It was, they were afraid. They were scared of crossing this bridge. But when they got to the other side, there was a reward. And uh, I wanted every kid, lots of kids were afraid of heights, and I wanted to encourage them. I wanted them to get across. And uh, not one of them hit me. And so my co-counselor, took it upon himself to be like, I could do this. Hey, Jordan, you haven't been hit yet. Let me give you, give you one last chance. And that was the result of what happened. I, um, I happened to get hit really hard. And from a moment where everything was normal and I was breathing, everything changed. And I couldn't breathe. And as you heard, I was winded. And the question that was asked is, how are you? Are you okay? And I said, I'm just a little broken. And it was a momentary thing. And sometimes we, we transition really quickly from healthy to in pain. Or in our lives we transition as, as school changes, where we're moving on in a grade or we've graduated or our job has shifted or changed. Over the last year there has been a confident um, change. It's like the most consistent thing in our lives has been in the last year, change. And sometimes the toughest things to do is to make choices 
in change. Because where there is change, there is choice. And uh, I wanted to talk about Moses, and I wanted to talk about this character who experienced continuous change. And actually, when I opened this book, and when I begin to read it, I recognize that most people's lives that are written down, whether you read a biography or you re- read the Bible and you read about each different character that's in there, you see that their life life is continuously changing. Now, it's, it's sped up because it's, it's shortened and condensed in the Bible. But while no one plans to mess up his life, the problem is that few of us plan, the f- it's that few of us plan not to. That is, we don't put the necessary safeguards in place to ensure happy endings. No one sets out to make poor financial choices that will tank their business. No one takes on the responsibilities of photography. Is that the right word? What is it, man? Why can't I say it? Photographing. Photographing. Yeah. I can't believe I couldn't say that word. No photographer sets out to photograph a wedding expecting to encounter a problem that results in a client's dissatisfaction. No one wakes up, answers the phone to hear another person on the other end with crippling news. But where there's change, there's choice. And the question is, what is the wise thing for me to do? And a great question that I've, I've learned from a pastor, Andrew Stanley, is this. In light of my past experiences, in my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing for me to do financially? What is the wise thing for me to do relationally, or morally, professionally, or spiritually? You are a unique blend of your past experiences, your current experiences, and your future hopes and dreams. And wisdom allows us to customize this. But where do I go when I make choices? In a season of change, what I love is that we can hold strongly to this truth. In Hebrews 13, it talks about God. And it talks about how God is unchanging. That he never changes, that he was the same Yesterday, today, and forever. Which means that his response and his character is always going to be the same. And in the book of Exodus, we read about this guy named Moses. Now Moses is special. And we learn about this because Moses is born into a society, Egypt, where it was the richest, the most um, state-of-the-art society in the world at that time, Egypt. And uh, the Israelites were born in that space, and they were being raised up, and they were starting to outnumber the uh, Egyptians. The Egyptians are like, we got to eliminate these guys. And so they start off with a plan. They tell all the midwives that are helping the Hebrew women have babies, hey, if the baby comes out and it's a boy, kill it. And these midwives were like, I can't do that. They feared God, and they would not do that, so they weren't doing it. And so, so Pharaoh's like, that's it. For some reason, there is still more of them. And then he makes a decree. He makes a law that goes, hey, I need you to eliminate every young boy. And uh, so there's two parents that have a son. 
and this son they knew was special. When we read this in Exodus 2, this is Moses. In chapter 2, verse 2, it says, The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was special. A special baby and kept him hidden for three months. I don't know about you, but it would not be easy to keep a baby hidden for three months. I know that they make noise. But there was something unique about him. And she knew that despite what was going on, she had to decide and make a choice for what God was calling her to do. And eventually she has to make a choice where she takes the baby and she puts him in a funeral basket because at the time the babies were just being tossed in the Nile. Killed and tossed in the Nile. And so Moses was actually wrapped in this little basket with tar on the outside and placed in the Nile. What I found unique when I was reading the story and reminding myself of some of the things that happened in it is that the mom actually asked the daughter to look after following where Moses went. And sometimes as parents, it's really tough. I mean, it would be really tough to face the circumstances. And yes, when we're younger, sometimes we don't even realize the circumstances that our parents are facing. We don't even recognize the stress financially that they're walking with. Because as a parent, we have a responsibility to walk these things through. And sometimes we make choices that are outside of maybe what God's calling us to do. But in that moment, she said, I need you to follow. And she follows. And she follows Moses down. And then Pharaoh's daughter ends up finding Moses in this basket. And what I found unique about it is that the, the daughter was there. She kind of comes up. She's like, hey, uh, do you need someone to nurse this baby? And Pharaoh's daughter's like, yeah, 100%. Like, send someone to look after this baby. And the very thing that, that, that Moses' mom had trusted God with. Because Moses' mom had to trust God. She said, I've, I've birthed this thing into this world. You've created this. Why would you take it away from me? And out of obedience, she's putting this basket in the Nile. And sometimes we have to lay things down. Like the, the song said, here, I lay it down. This is a burden for me. But I'm going to make room for you to do what you, you do. I know that you've called him special. I know that there's something on his life that you've called me to protect this. But I'm going to lay it in the Nile. And then God does something incredible. Is Not only does Moses' mom end up nursing Moses, she gets paid for it. This is not only am I going to give it back to you, I'm going to give you more than what you expected. And I love this about this story. And so Moses has grown, and eventually once he's old enough, he goes into, into the palace. And uh, Moses, what's unique for me is I didn't realize this in my study this week, is that Moses was the name that Pharaoh's daughter gave Moses. We don't actually know his name. We don't know his Hebrew name. We know that he's Moses. And, uh, and it, I found that super unique because Moses gets changed. They would have shaved his head. They would have changed his look, everything, so that he would be part of the Egyptian culture. And Moses grows up, and eventually it comes to a point, and in Exodus 2, we read that many years later, Moses had grown up, and he went out to visit his people. Because Moses would have been around his mom, and as she nursed him, and as she helped him grow up as a young boy, she would have said to him, you are made for extraordinary things. You are special. Your God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they would have said it over and over and over again to him. And so Moses comes out, and he goes out to visit his own people. And he saw how hard they were forced to work. 
And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions, he made sure no one was watching. Moses killed the Egyptian. Wait, what? God had someone special? And, and the first special thing he does is murder? Sometimes we have a view when we see someone or we know their story. And we look at it and we go, oh, this person's probably never going to be qualified to do anything for God. They're addicted. They're, they're divorced. They're struggling. But yet God uses broken people. And I love that God uses broken people. And so Moses, after this entire situation, goes and he visits the people again. And he sees two Hebrew men fighting. And he's like, I don't get it. Why are you beating up your friend? And the man replied, who appointed you to be prince or judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Moses thought no one was looking. And one of the first things that we do in change, when things happen in our circumstances, is we like to point fingers. It's natural to try and pinpoint something that's causing the pain that I'm feeling. I have a friend, and, and when he talks and he's struggling about stuff, he does this, and he's got this, like, he talks like this to me. He's like, you know, it's not like, and he goes on to share about the circumstances, and he kind of does this. And uh, we were youth leaders together, and one of his close friends had caused an issue. And he, even without thinking, he does this. And it's like, it's, like, it's frustrating me. And he did this. without He just pointed right to them. Like two hands, straight at them. And naturally, our first, like, standing is to point our finger, to blame someone else. But I, I wanted to change something because sometimes even though we do this, today God was calling us to do this, to pray. And it's just a simple change of this is what's happening to me, they're doing it, that's happening. And when I just shift and I go, okay, God, you're in charge of all these things. And I'm frustrated because God's not afraid of your frustration. Like Abraham was angry and laughed at God when, when God said, hey, you're going to have a kid. And he's like, I'm old. <laughs> ha, good chance. Not happening, God. And God wasn't bothered by that because God is in control. He's not an insecure best friend. He is God. And uh, what I loved about it is Moses walked through this whole scenario and he gets to this moment where he runs away. His default in the change that was happening, because God was now positioning him. He was like, who are you? A prince and a judge. Well, God has actually positioned him within the kingdom to be a prince and a judge. He was under Pharaoh, in Pharaoh's family, which means he had that kind of authority. And so sometimes even when God gives us authority, they, the people around us, if we, if we pay weight to what they say, impacts us more. And Moses runs. And we pick up one day when he's tending a flock in chapter 3. And he has this burning bush moment. Now, I've never experienced anything like this, but he's, he's tending his sheep. And he goes out, and this bush is on fire, but it's not on fire. Like, it looks like it's on fire, but nothing about it. The leaves aren't burning up. The tree's not turning black. And he's amazed by it, and he goes to see it. 
And the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look. And God called to him in the middle of the bush. And he says, Moses, Moses. Now what's unique is they called him by name twice. And if you didn't know this, it's like super cool that like when, when they would say in culturally, in Jewish culture, when they say your name twice, it was not out of a, hey, it was an intimate. It was intended to be an intimate. So God was trying to be close. Moses, Moses, don't come any closer. And he has this whole dialogue about how he's hearing about the distress and how God was hearing about the cries of the people in Egypt. And Moses protests because God calls him. He said, you must lead my people out of Israel. He was again reminding him, hey, although you don't think that you were appointed and placed in a place of authority, I gave you that. I want you to lead my people out of Israel. But Moses protested to God, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. And then he goes on to say, okay, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, they'll ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? What should I tell them? This is the first time in the Bible that we see God expressing his name to someone. And God replies to Moses and he says, I am who I am. Say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now these I am statements are so unique because the moment I see this, I see my mind starts racing because like after reading the Gospels and reading about what Jesus did in the Gospel of John, John writes multiple times these I am statements. He actually makes seven I am statements. There's a couple more in between, but I love that John is trying to address something. Who is God? Like who is Jesus? And what does Jesus require of us? And when I, I look at what Jesus says, there's an I am moment that we switch to. And it's in John chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles with me, I'd love for you to open up to John. John 8. If you don't, we, we love to make it a little bit easier for you. Uh, and it is on the screen. But John chapter 8 has this moment. Oops, not John chapter 8. What I meant to say is that there is I am statements. And then in John chapter 6, he starts with this first one. And uh, I love this, this moment, because Moses is now having this I am moment. And Jesus is talking about Moses. He also brings up Moses with the people that are challenging him. Uh, This is literally after he feeds 5,000 people. And... uh, they had asked him to show him a miraculous sign. They said, because you have fed. We talked about this just at the beginning of the message here when we were making room for God. And, he's, and they answered and they said, in verse 30 of chapter 6, it says, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can, what can you do? What can you do for me? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread to eat from heaven. And Jesus replies with this. 
He says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers it to you. For me, it was very unique to read about this because Jesus had just fed 5,000. And now Moses is having this moment where he hears of who God is. And Moses eventually walks through this process where he goes and he frees the people and he leads them out into the desert. And uh, what I love is that there's a month later, one month later, he's hanging out in the desert and uh, they're running out of food. In Exodus chapter 12, it actually tells us that there's 600,000 men. Jesus didn't, I mean, Moses didn't just lead a small group of people out. That's crazy to me. 600,000 people following one guy out of Egypt. That's not including men and women. And you thought the feeding of 5,000 was crazy. Jesus or God both (laughs) feed a million people in a moment. Because in chapter 16 of Exodus, we see this moment where they're frustrated And this is what it says in chapter 16, verse 2, if you have it there, so that everyone else can read read along. Exodus 16, verse 2. It says, there were two, there too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around with pots filled with meat. And ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us out into the wilderness to starve to death. There was a change that was happening. The way that they had been provided for, for a season, had been through God in Egypt. And he was changing the way that they were provided for. They were being provided for by this crazy stuff because There was dew that settled on the ground, and then there was this white, flaky bread stuff. They called it manna. And in the morning, they would go and they'd pick it. And so when Jesus was saying, hey, you know, you just were surprised because I fed 5,000. But I'm telling you, there's something more important going on here. What should we do? Well, you know, Moses provided manna. What are you going to do? Same issue, same people. God, what are you going to do for me? God, how are you going to provide? I'm still missing the fact that I just need a physical something in front of me. And Jesus was standing right in front of them. And in John 6, he replies, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now offers you true bread from heaven. True bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, okay, give us that bread every day. God had done this before. And when I said God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, God had provided for a million people every day bread for 40 years in the desert while they wandered. And in this moment, Jesus trying to change the way they see things. He's going, and he says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Sometimes we are waiting for someone else to change 
when God's been, been initiating the change inside of you. And when change happens, there's a small window before emotions take over. I don't know if you've experienced this, or when ambitions take over. And before our preconceived ideas take over of how everything should work. Where there is change, there is choice. And God was offering a choice. He said, I am the bread of life. And he goes on to continue. He says, I am He has seven different sayings. I am the light of the world. I am the door, the gate, and the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I wanted to end just with these thoughts. Sometimes we struggle with what God wants to do because we don't or are struggling through who we say God is. And my questions here today is I wanted to end with like a little bit of a survey, kind of like a teaching type thing. How many of you are here today feeling like you need God's guidance in your current frustrations that you're facing? Yeah. Maybe some of you here came today and you have a smile on your face externally, but you're feeling dead inside. And what you're walking through has left you like you're just done with life. And how many are you needing... In this space, a strengthening of your heart, of your thoughts, and your body. Or maybe you need God to step in and say, I am the resurrection and the life. Because you're feeling dead inside. Because there are things that you've dreamt where those dreams have died. Or there are passions that you've, you've had where they've been put aside for, for a season. And you're just needing God to really step in and show who he is. Well, this morning I want to pray. I want to pray through these I am statements. Because Jesus said he is the bread of life. And he did say he is the light of the world. And he did say that he was the good shepherd and the resurrection and the life. And he also said this, I am the way, the truth and the life. Because maybe you fit in the category of you've been feeling lost. And there you've tried a million different things to bring joy to your life but have not found it. And you're needing to know and experience the love of Jesus today. And as we close, I just want to invite you to stand. Because I want to pray a prayer over you. Because some of you internally are like, man, I need God to step in. I need him to be the bread of life. I need him to be the sustenance that helps me sustain myself through the week. And I want to make space for that. And I want to pray a prayer over you that is inviting God into your circumstances. But I don't just want to pray a prayer in this moment because there's a general prayer where we can, we can do things on a surface level, where it's like, yeah, okay, I want God to be part of this. But there's also a deeper level of prayer where there's a trust and there's a unity as a family where we want to walk into the greater things that God has for us. And we have prayer teams. And I want to invite the prayer teams up because as we pray, I, want to also, I also want you to know that there are prayer people of prayer 
that are ready to pray for your circumstances. People that believe and want to hear what's going on in the confidence that you are sharing with them and to believe that God is bigger and better and stronger and that he's a God that provides for everything that you need. And so I want to pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that when Moses first experienced you in his insecurity and in his struggle, you spoke and you said, I am. And Jesus, you confirmed who you were through your life saying, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world that guides my footsteps. I am the resurrection and the life. And God, we just pray right now over every circumstance that was brought into this house, believing that in the unity of faith as believers that you can shift and move and change our thoughts on how we think about things and help us make the right choice on how we respond to what you're doing around us. And Father, today we say we believe in you. We trust you. Amen. And so, Jess, you want to come and just play? For those that need some time, because I know the nature of this space, naturally we, we begin to chat with each other, and I love that. I love community. That's why we're excited about things shifting and changing, because there's value to iron sharpening iron. If there are people that you find safety in today, take the time to talk in this space. The reason that I'm just asking just to play is that if you're having a private conversation, <laughs> this space can sometimes feel uncomfortable to have that private conversation. But we want to know that's why we make this space up at the front available, where conversations aren't as accessible to other people's ears. But if there are people in here that you know and there's something in your heart that's going, man, I need God. I need him to step in in, my, in, in what's going on. I want to encourage you to take a, take a minute in this space. Talk with that person. Ask for prayer. You came with a friend? Ask them. Because God wants to step into your circumstances and he wants to help you make the right choice in this moment question is, will you make room for that? So as you go, be the church. Be the church that takes time to see God move. Be the believer that goes, despite what I see, I know who God is. Be the one that believes for God to restore and resurrect the life that has been dead inside. And not only do it in your own life, do it in this community's lives, do it in your family and friends' lives. Would God equip you to go and be the church? Amen. Have a great Sunday. So if that's you and you need prayer, you come.